2021, we think of marketing as a digital art. However, in healthcare marketing, a more hands-on, in-the-field approach is needed. Katia will tell us why. I'm Francesco. And I'm Dalen. And this is Work It. Thank you for joining us. Today we have Katya on board, sharing her experience as a marketer. So I think to start us off, Katya, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your job? All right. Thank you guys for inviting me. First of all, I think this podcast idea is really great because when I was a fresh graduate or I was like trying to think what I want to do with my life, um, I was Googling a lot of information, looking for advice from other people who are in 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 there so i think i hope that my story today could be useful for future marketers but uh at the beginning i would like to say that marketing is very different for some people so a little disclaimer i'm a marketer in startup so i think my experience would be a little bit different from marketer in an agency especially like if it's a marketing executive in a big agency or if it's a marketer in a big company like MNC. So I'm a marketer in health tech startup in Singapore. We are based in One North and my startup is in healthcare. So we have a quite well-rounded suit of services that includes mobile app, health screening. We now have clinics. We do a telemedicine module. Are you guys aware about telemedicine and all these health tech things that you can see a doctor online without leaving your house. Yep, I'm aware. I've actually tried it uh, during the circuit breaker in Singapore last year when I needed to see a doctor. Uh, I went on Doctor Anywhere and consulted a tele-doctor. <laughs> all right. Was it white coats? Oh, it could have been white coat too. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Because so uh, whichever one is partnered with the uh, the insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. True. Yeah, so we do something like that. But on top of, of that, we also have my favorite uh, service in the company, which is a remote patient monitoring. So it's not just a telemedicine, but uh, it's when you have health condition, for example, high blood pressure or diabetes or um, like maybe you're a patient who suffered a stroke or heart attack, you need to constantly monitor your health vitals like blood pressure, blood glucose, SpO2, and then you will record it in our app and the doctor at his cabin, at his clinic, will be able to see your readings. So you don't even need to go to a doctor for this kind of checkups. And yeah, I think this is actually where healthcare is heading to because it really helps to decrease costs and make sure that the patient is constantly watched over rather than periodically when you go to the clinic. All right. So maybe before going right into the, the product itself that, and the services that you guys offer, can you give us an overview of what a marketer does in, in your company and how maybe it is different compared to marketing in different, in different fields, for example? For instance, one thing that I know is how marketing works in my company. But as you said, there are so many different flavors of it that I don't really know how is it different compared to a different field or to a different industry and so on. A different industry. And maybe you could also share some comparisons with marketing for an agency, for example, 
someone who worked for a marketing agency or an advertising agency versus uh, directly with a startup? First of all, I've never worked at a marketing agency. I have quite a few friends who do, so I can't really speak on behalf of marketers who work in marketing agency. But I would say the biggest difference between, we call it marketer in-house, which is like me, who is representing only one brand or company, and a marketer in agency who works for different clients. So you can you can get a sense, right? Me, I have my one baby, which is like my one product. While if you're marketing uh, agency, I think the best is to watch a series called Mad Men. Have you guys watched? <laughs> That's the best representation, right? I mean, now we smoke, we don't smoke inside of the office and we don't drink whiskey all day long. But basically, you're kind of a Don Draper, right? Who works with different clients, you're pitching and all. For me, I need to pitch to my stakeholders, my management, my customers, my product team, a sales team. And so I work with uh, internal stakeholders more. And so for healthcare, I would say as a marketer, I think we pride ourselves as to be pretty smart because in healthcare in Singapore, you have a lot of uh, restrictions that you have to be smart about to avoid. Like you cannot make any claims, for example, like cosmetics companies do, like you'll become healthier, you'll become smarter, or, you know, you get more boyfriends if you use this lipstick. This is not allowed, for example. It's also not allowed to endorse any healthcare products, to get testimonials from doctors, but then you kind of need to push your services. You have to be very careful with your copy especially if you're writing about medical things, not to, again, overclaim anything, not to misspell hypertension, hyperlipidemia and, and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I find it quite tricky to work with that, but that's where you get a lot creative. In fact, my Facebook ads, anytime I want to run any, they would get rejected for first two copies because they would have some problems with the wording. And not because I don't do it, Right, but because there are a lot of layers of regulations when it comes to healthcare. So, Katya, I want to go back one second to the Don Draper figure from Mad Men, right? Um, that that is a question that I had for a different guest that would come in later on who works in in advertisement, and I don't really understand the difference between advertisement and marketing. I believe that there are two different layers of working together to achieve a common objective, right? But I don't really know the the real details because, as you said, you also do a job as a marketer that is very connected to the advertisement role. So can you say that you do a role that it's really a combination of the two? Is there a major difference? That's a very good question. <laughs> to my understanding, advertising, it's only one branch from the marketing as a whole. right? So marketing mm -hmm. has many different things. Let's even say you want to prepare a campaign. So advertising is to prepare the image, a tagline, then uh, also like where to pitch it. But marketing, it's also about, first of all, working with all these guys to come up with something good, right? And then very often in-house marketers like myself, working with people from agency. People from agency don't know much stuff about our product as much as I do, let's say. So we work and attend them together. So then they would be asking me, what are the USPs, what you have done and stuff like that. So as a marketer, coming back to also your question about day-to-day -day job, I am responsible for the, let's say, website development, for the collateral development, for different partnerships, for uh, social media, 
right? So you can see that there are many other things and advertising is one of the ventures to promote your business or services. Mm-hmm. I see. So advertisements is basically what the people see as the as the culmination of the of the job that you guys have done is marketing, right? It's more of the front end view that that the external person might see of 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 the effort that goes on in the in the marketing department. Yeah, actually, maybe Can it's one of the biggest. Like maybe it's one of the biggest misconceptions as well when people just okay. think like, "Oh, marketing equals advertising," or oh, "Marketing equals sales." I think, in fact, marketing is quite a quite a new job function because initially it was just sales. Then people like Don Draper came in saying, listen, your sales don't work anymore. You got to pitch. You got to add a story. You got to add a twist, right? So advertising came in. But now marketing is uh, more, sometimes I have a joke, anything that falls between product and uh, operations falls on marketing. Like in my company, very often they don't know who is going to take this job. They're like, oh yeah, Kate is here, right? Like the marketing is there. But it's not a bad thing. I really believe it's not a bad thing. It's actually you're making sure that the brand image, the brand voice is going out there correctly. You're supporting. So for example, advertisers would never prepare a sales kit, right? Which is presentations, Mm -hmm. EDMs. So advertising ends there. You create a campaign, you sell it, that's all. And maybe now they also monitor the performance, yeah. But I would be really interested in hearing your interview with your podcast with the advertiser, right? You will, you will. (laughs) Then we can can compare. It's always available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, online. (laughs) Check it out. uh, Could you ask your guests, like, what what does she or he think about in-house marketers? Because usually they have to work with us guys if the company is big enough. And I think sometimes we really can rub each other wrong way. <laughs> okay. I think that's a, that's a good point to note for our future guest. Uh, we'll keep it in mind. Thank you. No problem. So, yeah, coming back right to the day-to-day. So I was actually also thinking it depends on... So in marketing, we have a cycle. I think just like in engineering or any other job, maybe business development, you plan, execute, monitor the performance, and then you make adjustments and launch it again. Depending on which cycle your project is at, you will perform different things on a daily daily basis. It never gets boring and old. <laughs> yeah, That's good to hear. Uh, you mentioned something about monitoring the effectiveness of your your work and then making adjustments accordingly. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? So what indicators are you looking for for a particular project or campaign? And you know, using those insights, how do you adjust accordingly? Or what insights specifically are you looking for uh, to help you adjust and make your campaigns more effective in future? Sure. Every campaign or every activity has different metrics. Um, the rest are short. If, when I plan, there is always a column that says metrics to measure success, right? And then in this column, there are different things that you can write. So for example, if it's an ad, Facebook ad, you measure clicks, you measure then how far the person went through steps. Like maybe the click happened, but did the form submission happen? If it didn't, maybe something wrong with the submission copy 
uh, wordings and you, you want to enhance your landing page, right? Or then, so what happened a few times last time in my company is that the clicks were good, but then there was no actual conversion in terms of sales, right? So the first touch point was attractive enough, but then when they landed on the landing page, they realized that probably they didn't find what they were clicking for. So then you immediately go and adjust. We do a lot of A-B testing. It is called A-B testing, mm -hmm. right? When you test a different copy, different words, taglines, and then you see the performance. So it's all about clicks, um, scans. Uh, it all goes down to sales as well. Uh, but another thing we do track, I love tracking the time on how much people spend on your web web page right and then you can see with the changing of copy the time can increase or decrease the journey on the website from which page where they go in fact in our digital world you can track everything <laughs> more or less the trick happens is when you have offline materials right like a flyer then how do you track a flyer so that's where you have to be extra creative so katya what would you say it's the balance between the you know, the work as, as in terms of analytics of understanding all the data that you guys are, are being feedback versus trying to really study the trends as such. So let's say analysis of data that it's coming back to you guys versus data that you guys are actively chasing to create a, to create, you know, a solid product that, that, that it's achieving whatever you guys want to, want to achieve. And that has a good impact on, on the actual audience and the final customer. Yes, Francesco, you got it right. Welcome to marketing team. <laughs> you got the formula now. Thank you. Where do I sign? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's correct. In fact, my previous manager told me that if you want to become a manager, you have to love numbers. So it's not true that marketing this fluffy job that doesn't do anything with numbers. <laughs> In fact, what makes you stand out is when you as a marketer who is perceived to be a creative person of words and designs know how to measure monitor and make some really good strategic conclusions out of it yeah i think that makes sense uh, i think it, it is often a misconception that you know the marketing roles are not quantitative heavy but i think it recently is and as you've pointed out data analytics is a huge part of it and uh, increasingly important so i can completely see why you'd say that could you share maybe a story about, you know, a change that you made in a particular campaign that, uh, you know, drastically affected its uh, efficacy? You talked about doing A-B testing uh, where, you know, you test two different campaigns or two different styles of campaign. Uh, was there any that you found or that you came across that uh, you noticed a huge difference between one of your two styles and how that uh, impacted the, the rest of your campaigns? Um, so I think the biggest, let's say one of the biggest things that recently happened to our company, thanks to a marketing team, including me, hopefully, is that we were testing different channels. So we had one message, one product, right? And then we were pushing it through Google, Google search. So the Google ads, Facebook ads, social media. And then one day we just started going down like an old fashioned way where you go down to the ground, to the clinics and actually talking to patients and doctors and guess what worked the best. 
Yeah, so the last option worked the best for us. And that's where we realized that probably people looking at healthcare brands will not really trust an ad compared to when they see you and compared to when the doctor actually recommends that. So our spending on ads completely went to like zero from quite a big uh, amount of money. And the sign up rate went really shoot up. Of course, maybe it's a little bit more manual, you can say. But then again, it's a healthcare. So people take their health seriously. And that's that was my biggest takeaway also as a marketer. Because initially I was thinking, ah, oh, come on, all brands need ads. And ads work for, for all brands. It's just like no-brainer, just do a nice ad. But then it's also a lot about people perception and resistance and how they see the product. It doesn't mean you don't need to do ads at all anymore, but it was nice to discover that there are other ways of doing these things. Yeah, that's a very important point because um, here in Singapore, there are so many companies, but the one department that it's always available and present is the marketing department. And the reason is, uh, it's kind of what you said, that it has to be very, very customized to the area you're in. And to relate to what you said for healthcare, uh, I think that we're in a privileged area of the world here where people have a lot of trust in doctors and of the health world in general. So, you know, uh, I can see why that would work in Singapore where, where people are still very trustworthy of doctor versus it might not be as valuable in a different place where doctors are not considered as highly because of various reasons. I'm not going to name countries. True. And another thing we learn is that if you want to do ads, something like discounts, promotions, promotions in healthcare will do you a bad favor, right? Because you really don't want to see this ad saying, oh, general practitioner visit online instead of $20, you pay 10. Hey, <laughs> they would be like, what's that? So, yeah. I mean, you want to always talk about value rather than price here. Right. So, uh, Katya, I think that was a pretty cool story and very interesting insight that you shared. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit, uh, maybe move to a bigger picture question. Uh, could you share a story with the listeners, maybe on how you actually ended up in marketing? Uh, is this something that you've always been interested in? Uh, or did it, you know, did it, was it a discovery during university? Uh, how did you end up wanting to get into marketing? And then how did you end up in this company where you're at now? Okay, so I started my journey in Singapore from not even from a degree, but from English course. So in order for me to get into university, I had to do a bit of English. And then I actually studied tourism and hospitality. And, you know, I was preparing to work in a hotel. I don't know even what I would be doing. But then one day there was this very charismatic teacher from marketing, uh, Mr. Abdul. I still remember him. I still follow him on LinkedIn. He stormed into a classroom with all his case studies, with all these frameworks and uh, McDonald's is doing this and Coca-Cola is that and I did this. And I, that's where was my turning point. And I realized that I don't want to do tourism and hospitality anymore. And next thing I, I know is that I was submitting my documents to another university and to get marketing degree. Yeah, so I would say here... Um, 
sometimes you shouldn't be afraid to just stop what you're doing, even though probably your parents already invested a bit of money into that journey, or you've already studied a lot for another subject. But sometimes I think you really got to follow your, your passion and your intuition. Because that time when I saw him, when I heard what he was saying, I thought, yeah, I want to do marketing. And my parents were initially very conservative saying, are you crazy? <laughs> like, what are you going to now stop this university and stuff like that? The good thing about Singapore is that our education is separated, right? So on that time, I was on diploma level. So until now, I have diploma in tourism and hospitality and bachelor degree in marketing. While if you were in Russia, in my own country, you would actually stop your two years of studies and you wouldn't get anything out of it because we don't have this kind of levels like diploma, high diploma. I think it's very nice to have it here, a system like that. It's a bit more systematic. My main takeaway from that discussion is that probably your next job is going to be a marketing job in tourism and hospitality. Is that, <laughs> is that where you're going? <laughs> No, actually, no. I would like to stick around in healthcare sector a little bit more. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's the story of me falling in love with marketing. Welcome back. Hope you all had a good break. So, you know, we, we just finished talking about uh, Katya's job in marketing, misconceptions about marketing, what she does, uh, and, you know, I think it's been quite insightful. Uh, and I think we last ended up talking about how Katya got into marketing in the first place. So I kind of want to follow up on that, actually, and talk about uh, healthcare specifically. You know, you mentioned that you enjoy working in the healthcare industry. Could you tell us how you ended up at your company now and what it is about healthcare that you enjoy and why it is that you think you'll be staying in the healthcare industry for a while at least? So initially I was working in a smaller company and I heard about this opportunity from a friend of mine. So nothing extraordinary about my story, but I want to point out that I really believe in connections of Singapore when it comes to looking for a job I'm a strong like voter voter for actually going for connections rather than just sending your CVs uh, through the job portals because Singapore is amazingly well connected and there are many opportunities that you can use for networking right so a um, friend of mine recommended me this job so I applied went through a couple of interviews and actually, I also had to write a marketing proposal on digital development of the brand. And in fact, I think it's quite common for marketing professionals to write a proposal. It wasn't the first time I was asked to, to do that. And when I was asked to write a proposal at first, I remember I was very surprised because I was like, huh, like, what is that? I haven't even started working. I already have to give my best ideas on the paper, right? But then I've realized that it's it's they just want to see probably your common sense and how you understand the brand. So my suggestion to marketers out there is to not to write your best ideas. You give pretty good ones, but you save your best for the time you get hired, right? And then don't take it as a suspicious exercise that they just want to steal your ideas and run away. Take it again as your tiny marketing agency writing a pitch for your 
for for your employer future employer potentially yeah so that was my story as for the healthcare brand i think i was always inclined towards health wellness um it was also it is also part of my life more or less except for fridays so when i joined the healthcare brand i realized that that's what i really like i've been always having this thing actually that i wanted to do something um, how to say like i really wanted to touch people's life or to make our place a better world and i think through business sometimes it's a little bit difficult to feel that but i've realized that when you work in business sector in healthcare that's where you can really feel like you are making a difference very cool thank you for sharing that great story to share let's uh kind of go build up on that you talked about singapore being a really good place to network it's very well connected and i think earlier you mentioned you you moved from russia could you maybe share with the the listeners any challenges that you had faced or any anything you know that stood out to you that you weren't expecting uh and in in general what's your experience been like yep i've been in singapore already for 9 years and i think what really stood out to me was the cultural diversity in fact i wouldn't lie i had a few problems in university with my classmates because i came across initially okay imagine uh you are fresh out of the mother russia and then <laughs> you you can't really communicate in english properly so <laughs> sometimes you think you're saying something right but then people perceive it in a different way and i had a few like arguments and not very pleasant situations with my classmates because they were from all over the world as well i mean from i had an indian classmate malaysian um indonesian thai and then that's why i've realized that i cannot be completely 100% russian here anymore because some things are just impolite for people or some things when for me it's okay for them it's too harsh too straightforward too unnecessary to say right so that's how i learned to adapt and i think it's it's a very good skill to have it it helps me now uh, at my workplace as well my managing director uh, is japanese at the moment it's totally it's like a person from another planet in a way that they do have some things which are really different from from me and even from singaporeans i think so i think it's a good quality it's not like you're renoun- renouncing to your own culture but it's how you learn to adapt and survive in different conditions so that was good for me like this diversity of singapore and also i love the fact about singapore is that even in mrt you can meet someone from maybe for- forbes 500 or something i remember i went to party with like the and then there was a group of people next thing i know I just google this guy up in in wikipedia and he he's like in the forbes list and i didn't even know because everyone is pretty much down to earth and we can mingle together we can meet at the bar we can meet at mrt we can meet at the church all together while in russia i would say it's more separated so if you're from one society level then you will hang out there and you almost don't have any chance to get there you know if you're from a middle class and everything is a little bit more separated but that's how i see singapore i think that's a very valid point because i feel like that as well and i think it has really helped me to understand how to do my job as well 
where I kind of understand that we're all on the same boat. We'll have a lot of challenges to talk to the other nationalities and so on. Uh, and we also had to deal with the fact that you meet so many people from so many backgrounds with so many different jobs and so many different hierarchies that you kind of have this ability to talk to everybody and to not be as as fearful of anybody. And I say fearful because, you know, when you start your career, you kind of always on the on the back foot trying to trying to see if you're doing something wrong that it's seen the wrong way by your boss and so on but then at a certain point you hit the the moment where you understand that they're just like you they're learning you're learning you're doing a, a path together there isn't a filter anymore in between the two of you and you're just trying to you know do the best job you can as a team so yeah i think that's that's a very valid point and it's it's something that definitely made all of us grow and yeah singapore is is a place that allow you to to do that oh uh, what's more you take a mrt they take a mrt home as well right and then That's you right. just an mrt with your boss the mrt is the best place to be it's the place where you want to be <laughs> yeah it's a place where you network <laughs> that's a q q sponsorship requests from uh, the economic development board and ministry of transport <laughs> Yeah. So, and then uh, on this note, I would say if you're looking for a new job or if it's your first job, LinkedIn, honestly, it's your best friend. It's not even Facebook, but just connect to people, just ask them for casual coffees. I mean, in Russia, we say no one hits you for asking, something like that. So asking is not illegal, right? Go out there, don't be shy and yeah, just connect with people. But then they still hit you. No, when, I'm they kidding, hit, I'm when they hit you, you run. <laughs> <laughs> when they hit you, run. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on. You, you've been covering a lot of uh, nice things that you like about your job. And I want to understand from, from you, is there something that was very unexpected in the sense that Kanye kind of brought you down where you were thinking, oh, everything is going to be very nice. You know, I'm going to have these incredible meetings with people um, all the time and they're always going to be I'm going to be in fancy galas but was there a moment instead where you were like okay this is not really how I imagined it yeah I mean something you didn't like or didn't quite meet your expectations or anything that you you know you wish you could change okay let me divide my answer into two parts so about the fancy galas and all honestly it was true right especially looking at madman or suits you're like oh, i'm just gonna hit the office i'm gonna carry my coffee and then everything's gonna be fine where's my red carpet then you come to office especially if you're a fresh grad no way you're gonna get like i realized when you do strategy and planning then you're the boss right but then usually you don't get to do strategy and planning mm -hmm. for another two years or so unless you're very talented i don't know all lucky and then you just start doing all the nitty-gritty designing, writing copies, um, just doing websites. I mean, it's all very exciting, to be honest. But your initial expectation, my initial expectation was that people will do it for me and I'll just tell them what to do. <laughs> so I'll be like, I need that red button uh, on the left corner of the website. And then, yeah, you go and do it. Katya, you know, like, yeah, so I didn't know I'll have to do all the buttons. But then I changed my philosophy. And I think that in order for you to be a very good leader, you have to get your hands dirty, right? Otherwise, how else you're gonna, you're gonna guide and actually how else because I really, 
and I really believe that the good manager is that person who can, if you cannot, you the manager will take it from you and do it on your behalf still. Means it's like your backup body, you know. I I think I don't really have a lot of respect for managers who just say, but then in the end of the day, they cannot do it themselves. I love these people who can really like roll their sleeves, even if they're high level and just get down there with you. Yep. And another thing I would say is the I didn't know that marketing would be so subjective. So everyone has something to say all the time about the designs, the taglines, your choice of words, your color selection. And initially it was really breathing me down quite a bit because I was always thinking something is wrong with me. I don't have a design taste. I'm like super not creative. But then I just realized that, uh, and what helped me to realize is that when someone corrected me like one year back or something, two years back, and then this copy was presented to a bigger management, that manager who corrected me was corrected by others. And then I realized, damn, no one knows how it's done correctly. And it's just about people just expressing their opinions. So I was worried and had many self-doubts at the beginning of the journey. Now, definitely it's much less. But I think as a marketer, you have to at some point develop your own voice and stop being a ping pong ball, right? (laughs) Which is like yellow, red, this word, that word. And then at some point you say, listen, I know I've tested, I've read, I did my research, this works best. And I think once you get into that stage, you can already move forward up the ladder. An okay choice today is better than a perfect choice tomorrow. That's that's one one thing that we have in our company as a, as a motto, I would say. <laughs> that's a good motto. Take decisions, yeah. Yeah, I think the other one I've heard is uh, perfection is the the enemy of good or being done, something along those lines. Consti- basically, continually striving to to get something perfect could hinder you and delay your work and end up derailing you. If you want to buy our our book of quotes, uh, we're gonna put a link in our website. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think down down the but line. I know, we, I, know another one. I know another one. I know another one. Thank. From Shark Tank. It says perfectionist is an enemy of profitability. I love the right. one. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a good one. We'll, but it's from Shark that. Tank. <laughs> we're going to put that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I think you know this has been great having you on. Um, and I think we, we've learned a lot about you and your job. Uh, let's maybe take the, the rest of our time for, for kind of you to, to share whatever you want. Is there any you know, general advice? Um, Anything else you want to talk about? I like your one of your questions. What advice would you have given yourself when you started this job? Or maybe we could position it to, yeah, I'm this kind of person who loves giving. So I would like, mm-hmm. I would love to give your audience a, a, an advice. <laughs> if you're starting mm-hmm. a job in marketing, right? I would say that um, have confidence and trust in yourself. Like I said, right? Always remember that it's not your bad choice but it's just marketing is very subjective and as long as you try it your best it is good you will see that uh, you will improve with the time the more you create design read read and write the more uh, better you become and another thing i would actually really love to suggest uh, our audience to read the books by seth godin 
his books on marketing are really amazing. And I recently did his course and he completely just turned my marketing brain upside down. And I really regret that I didn't have his books when I was in university or at the very beginning of my career, um, yeah, career journey. Because the way he sees marketing is very different. You will see a lot of love in it, empathy towards your customers, uh, and everything maybe will become more purposeful for you. You will design and create more things on purpose rather than, oh, I was asked to do so, or, or because we need to earn more money. So that's his style. And I think it's so beautiful and important to be a marketer with empathy and with the purpose. I like your giving out to, to people attitude as a, as a marketer. It's a very good attitude to have. So Katya, I have one more question. Can you tell us anything funny? You can censor whatever you want. Anything funny that you saw happening in, in the company or maybe some, some kind of cultural habit that you guys have as either within your company or between marketing folks to kind of enjoy the job a bit more or you know to to keep it a bit more upbeat when things are uh, are a bit low or, or or whenever you want to you know get a bit of a break from from the work itself i'm asking this because earlier you mentioned fridays and i was a bit caught on surprise because i didn't really know what you meant by except fridays because so, i drink on fridays oh, yeah. <laughs> and party on fridays <laughs> There we nothing go. to do. Perfect. Nothing now, to do with my company. Um, now, well, now we can, we need, can latch to onto that. How how has your drinking habit changed after you started working uh, in a healthcare company and before? By the way, horribly because now I don't just drink; I drink consciously, right? So every glass of wine is like, all right, so many sulfates in it, calories and the sodium. Okay, so how can I offset green smoothie the next morning? <laughs> was fun and drinking anymore but i still do <laughs> what does your app suggest as the maximum amount of drinks that we can have in a week no you know actually i asked a few doctors and they said that you can have i mean you can have one two glass of wine per day no bad per day they recommend <laughs> every time i go yeah. to my doctor and i asked and they, they ask me the same question i always say i don't know i'm gonna have probably six or seven units a week and they go like, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> if you're below 20, yeah, you're good. Because okay. it's one, one a day, right? Yeah. Never mind that, that the six to seven are in, in one hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, the, honestly, the health formula is always the same. It's active lifestyle and then everything in balance. So even if you drink wine, you, you better, if you know that you have a drinking session tonight, you better load up on some fruits and vegetables and good protein in the morning. You have breakfast and lunch shot, right? So you better use those meals well. So then in the evening, you can drink a little bit more. And water, you always have to drink water. I learned this from Japanese, you know. One glass of alcohol, two glass of water. One glass of coffee, two glass of water. They offset everything is water. <laughs> I think that's uh, some probably good advice for pre-college as well. Yeah, so I just only wanted to say maybe the last thing, because I don't know, maybe it's funny, like so about the misconception about your work, right? I'm not even kidding you. My grandfather from Russia thinks I don't work because marketing as a job doesn't exist. 
She doesn't get it. Oh, this is a very good question to have. It is amazing. Explain your job to your grandparents. Yes, plus I always work in English language, so I cannot translate anything in Russian. And then when he and my granddad, he's a he used to be a soldier and an officer, so he served uh, the mm-hmm. country. So he's a very like uh, super cool, maybe scary <laughs> Russian stereotypical grandpa. So when I tell him I do this, 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 I, I mean I'm a marketer. I try to. You salesperson? No. Then, then, like, what? Like, what's going on? There is no job like as a marketer. So this is one thing. And I remember when I just got my uh, mar- first marketing job, I told my friends in Russia again, and they looked at me saying, literally, they said, "Are you selling vacuum cleaners?" <laughs> but, but why vacuum cleaners? Why selling? So I think in some countries, marketing is not as popular as a profession as in other countries. I mean, if you work for that company that recently moved their headquarters to Singapore, then yeah, you might be selling vacuums and <laughs> and be a uh, marketer at the same time. We're not going to name there names. There is that. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the only fun I've got for you guys. Yeah, I think I think LinkedIn recognizes that. So you know the stereotype is that companies used to have like take your kids to work day or whatever. Um, LinkedIn switched that up because obviously you know they're a newer company. A lot of their employees don't have kids, so they switched it to take your parents or take your grandparents to work day, so they can actually see what you do. And uh, I think that kind of plays into what you were talking about. Oh. You can't explain your job to your friends or family back home. Yeah, I think if I took my grandpa, he would be just like, okay, you know, close the shop, leave. You all do nothing here. <laughs> I served in the army. Okay, never mind. All right, let's wrap it up. Thank you, Katya, right, for you being so in the, part of the show with us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for, for joining thank and thank you, you for sharing your stories. Thank you, Francesco, yeah. for having me. All the best. And yep, keep it up. What else do you usually say? And before then, you go, before you go, we're going to have a quick recap. A quick, yeah. Quick recap. The quick recap is what have we learned today? Yeah, you tell me yeah. what you've learned today. Quick recap. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's it's been an informative session. We have learned some misconceptions that people have, the difference between marketing and advertising. I think one of the key key takeaways here is that advertising is really a subset of the overall marketing function. So advertising constitutes a part of marketing, but not necessarily the other way around. So marketing wouldn't be considered advertising. Uh, I think that's that's one thing that you know useful to know, good to have. Uh, and I think the other thing that's probably important to learn and important for the listeners is the power of networking and the power of kind of keeping an open mind and being adaptable. Uh, Katya Shad, she moved here from Russia, kind of struggled initially with the language and cultural barrier, but you know she learned quickly, kept an open mind, met a lot of people, uh, was active on LinkedIn networking events, and you know that landed her in this uh, cool startup doing an interesting job that she didn't think she'd be doing initially. but uh, you know now Katya seems to enjoy it. so yeah, I think it's a pretty cool story and a pretty cool journey. I would add one thing, which is you always have time to go somewhere else and to change the path that you that you started right mm-hmm. off of university or right off your diploma. And you just need to do it.
Thanks for listening to Work It. For more information on behind-the-scenes images, take a look at our website, workit.stream. This podcast was created by Francesco Azola and Karina Arianto. Hosted by Francesco Azola and Nala Natrajan. Recorded in sunny Singapore. Music by Justin Arianto. Special thanks to Katia for joining us today. We'll see you next time with another reason why every role kills it. The jobs you thought you knew and the people who do them.